Let's take our Bible and go to the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, a very unusual message for Sunday morning. Uh, but feel very impressed to preach this uh, this morning. Uh, I had uh, studied a message uh, a little bit, well I guess a whole lot in one aspect, but a little in another, and was just standing preachers in here will understand what I mean, I believe, and you might too, I don't know, but I uh, studied, but it really just, I just didn't feel good about it, and uh, just studying to be studying basically and getting ready. If that's what God wanted, that's good, but uh, yesterday evening, uh, this uh, Lord helped me with this, and uh, so I, I want to preach out of First Corinthians five. I'll ask you to stand uh, if you would. Uh, I want to preach on having a thought uh, on the difference of restoration uh, versus not keeping company with somebody. And as I preach, you will understand uh, what I'm talking about. And as we read this chapter. Uh, you'll gain some understanding, and hopefully as I preach, so you pray that God will help us here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, look in verse 1, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Uh, for I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you, might, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or with covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then uh, must you needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or idolater, or railer, or drunkard, or an ex, uh, extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judges. And therefore put away from among yourselves uh, that wicked person. You can be seated this morning. Uh, Lord, we love you. I uh, thank you this morning for the good choir singing. I pray it uplifted your name and brought glory to you. Uh, Lord, we really want you to be honored in this meeting today. Uh, Lord, I'm dealing with a subject that is a little unusual, uh, especially for Sunday mornings. And Lord, I don't know who all's sitting in here and what's going on in everybody's life. 
I bet you certainly do. And Lord, you know I've questioned you since last night about this message. And I really believe this to be the message for the hour. And I pray you'd help us while we might preach it. I do pray that if there's one lost that gets saved, come to know you as their personal Savior. One that needs help, I pray that help would be granted to them. And I pray that you'd anoint us afresh while we might preach. And we'll tell you again, we love you. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for saving us and keeping us. Meet with us for now and save that sinner's nearest tale. For all this in Jesus' name we do ask and do pray. Amen and amen. Uh, this chapter has to deal with uh, somebody that is a professing Christian, but yet living in open sin. And Paul deals with that, not only with a professing Christian, uh, but one who wants to continue to come to church uh, and act as though in their sin nothing is wrong. And that's what's taking place in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Now I want you to get something uh, through your mind and in your heart today. I did not write this. Now you need to get that. Your preacher did not write this. Uh, the Lord wrote this. Uh, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit upon the Apostle Paul, uh, he was given the church at Corinth uh, uh, some instruction uh, uh, of what to do when somebody in church uh, uh, is living in sin and refuses uh, uh, to get right. Now let me say this uh, by way of introduction. Uh, the very first thing as a church we uh, the, the very first thing we shouldn't want to do is church somebody. Uh, that, that should not be the first thing that we always run to uh, uh, when somebody gets wrong. There are some out there that will want to do that. As a matter of fact, this should be the last thing uh, through, through multiple prayers, uh, uh, crying and weeping unto God to give instruction uh, and courage to do what needs to be done. Uh, uh, it should never be done lightly. Preacher, are we about to church somebody? I don't reckon. So I'll just go ahead and let you off the hook there unless you think you need it. Amen. And we'll go from there. But I have no plan. Some of you looking at me like we're fixing to do something, not that I know of, okay? But stay with me this morning. And it's not an easy thing to do. And uh, to be honest with you, we always ought to be quick uh, uh, for restoration. I was reminded of this as I was reading uh, the Scripture last night. You can go back there and look at that church covenant. And I know that church covenant is not Scripture, but it is based uh, on Scripture. Uh, listen, one of the things that it always tells us is to be quick for reconciliation. And I think that's something that uh, we need to do today. Uh, but, we're, but to be honest with you, church, uh, uh, there, there comes a time uh, uh, that when sin enters into the camp, uh, uh, that we have to deal uh, uh, with that. Now quickly let me say, there are people that will live contrary uh, to the doctrine of this Bible. Uh, they don't believe right. They don't teach right. And the Bible said in Romans 16, I beseech you, brethren, uh, mark them which cause divisions and offenses uh, contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned uh, 
and avoid them. For they are such, uh, uh, for they, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words uh, and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. There are people that will take this book uh, and intentionally twist it and rest it uh, uh, just to get people to come after them uh, uh, and to draw a crowd. You need to stay away from them people. That's why you need to be careful who you listen to uh, and watch on the TV and the radio. Uh, uh, listen, I, I understand. I mean, listen, we're on, we're on seven. Is it seven? One, two, three, four, uh, five. We're on at least uh, uh, five radio stations, maybe six. We're on 14 times a week, somewhere on the, I believe, I'm telling you the truth. And we're on somewhere every day uh, on the radio. So I understand there's good men out there on the radio, but there's also bad. And so you need to be careful with that. And that is one of the things that, uh, that I have to do here as your pastor uh, uh, is to protect uh, uh, what's being taught and what's being said here. You look, I believe it is in the book uh, uh, of Acts chapter 20, uh, the Apostle Paul, I believe he told the men there at Ephesus in Acts 20, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made the overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. My job is to feed you. My job is to give you this book uh, and feed you and give you something that will help you through this life. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples uh, uh, after them. Therefore, watch uh, uh, and remember. Paul said you need to watch and remember what I've taught you, what I've told you, that men are going to arise from among yourself, uh, that men are going to come from the outside uh, uh, and they're going to bring doctrine in uh, that is contrary to the word of God. Amen. And I have to be and you have to be. Uh, it's my job uh, to guard this church and to protect this church from false doctrine. Amen. It is. We believe what we believe because it's in that book right there and we rightly divine the scripture. And so we must, uh, uh, and that if somebody is contrary to Bible doctrine, uh, he said, mark them uh, uh, and avoid them. As a matter of fact, he did not say argue with them. He did not say get into a debate with them and try to correct them. Now, I do believe you can take that book and show them what the Scripture says. But, you know, after the first and second admonition, I, I, he said reject as a heretic. He said if they won't listen by the second time, leave them alone. Let them go on the road that they're wanting to go down. But we are to have no fellowship with them, but we're to have no fellowship uh, uh, with this world uh, and their sins. Second Corinthians 6, he said, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Uh, that's folk that are not saved. You have no business uh, as a Christian and as a saved person fellowshipping uh, uh, and enjoying time uh, with lost people. That's hard to take, ain't it? But he said, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? We can uh, uh, be a friend to them. We can point them to Jesus. We can help them when they need help. But friend, I'm telling you, it's not a time of fellowship with them. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. 
That means to correct them. But we come to this chapter here to deal how to deal with sin in the church. Now, he tells us over here that we're not to keep company uh, with any man that he's called a brother. Now, that word, and he's talking about safe folk. If they have made a profession of salvation, if they have professed to be a Christian, he said, you're not to keep company with them. Now, the word company, I think most of us knows, it means an assemblage of persons or a collection of men, like a company of men in the military. Uh, It means persons that associate with others for conversation or pleasure, or to associate with or frequent the company of. And what he's talking about is having a time, if you ever said this, we got company coming over. I think most of us have. Can I ask us a question? Are we okay already? Okay, all right. Some of you are looking at me kind of strange already, and I think you're afraid of what's about to get preached here. I don't know. You shouldn't be if you're saved. Following God shouldn't bother you. But notice he said right here, but now I have written unto you not to keep company. And so what he's talking about is an association and a time of fellowship and that one with another. As I preach, I'm going to deal with restoration, which means the act of replacing in a former state or renewal or revival or recovery uh, uh, and that from a lapse to a bad state. But I want you to look right here with me in the Scripture. Look at it first. This was not some uh, so-called sin. Uh, this was not something that the Apostle Paul had uh, drummed up, trumped up, or that it was hearsay, notice what he said. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. He's talking about the sexual impropriety and that sin of of things going outside of the bounds of marriage. And by the way, the Bible said marriage is honorable and all and bad undefiled, but adulterers and whoremongers God will judge. Amen. God loves marriage. Say man right there, church. He loves marriage. But notice Paul said it's reported commonly. Uh, listen, this is something that uh, I, I know about. This is something that you know to be the truth. Uh, uh, it's not some kind of hearsay uh, or, or third party uh, uh, makeup. He said it's reported commonly. You know what he's saying? Everybody knows what's going on. And then this is the sad part. Uh, uh, with it is, here's number one, we've got to deal with sin. Notice right here, he said the problem is, uh, uh, he said you're puffed up. In verse 6, he said they've gloried about this sin and they've not mourned about it. You know the first thing, and I'm going to be honest with you, uh, when, when, uh, when you don't see much church discipline anymore. You don't see a whole lot of it. As one, one of my preacher friends said, it's hard to have church, church discipline when you're going to have to discipline your shortstop for the softball game. I thought, that's pretty good. He said, that just don't happen much anymore. Well, preacher, if we do something about that sin, then we're going to lose half the church and uh, people's going to get mad and upset. Who would you rather have mad and upset, somebody else or God? Let me just park right here and tell you this story, and it'll help you while I preach this. Right, I had a pastor friend of mine. Uh, he he pastored up toward Wartburg, 
And, and, and while he was pastoring, while he was preaching, there was a couple got mad in his church at him. And basically over what he was preaching, he was preaching the truth. And he said, they sat right up here on the front He said, I would come in. Uh, and he said, I would go to shake hands with them. And he said, they would literally turn their head away from me. And he said, I had dealt with that and tried to restore that relationship. Uh, and it would not work. They would not get right. He said, I took all my men. I set them down at the table. And I can't remember if they went to eat. I can't remember what happened. But he had them at a the table. Uh, and he said, look, men, uh, uh, here's the problem. I've tried to fix it, but they won't get right. And he said, the very first man that spoke up was that boy's daddy that would not get right with him said his daddy spoke up. And he said, you're exactly right, preacher. He said, we dealt with that sin. I can't remember exactly how they dealt with it and what happened, but here was the statement that he made after that. He said, once we dealt with all that, he said, our church took off. He said, things began to, God began to bless that thing. You know, God won't bless over sin. Can I tell you this morning, they, weren't, they did not want to deal with that sin. Now this is serious this morning. I want you to get it. You know one of the things men you need to do is deal with sin in our own life. We need to deal with it. I mean, the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he comes to the end, talking about the Lord's Supper over there, he said, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Hey, we're ready to judge everybody else, but judge ourselves. When's the last time that you looked in the mirror? When's the last time that you judged what you were doing, how you talked, how you responded, how quick you was, what kind of temper you had, the words you used? The attitudes you keep. The actions you have. How pleasing are they to the Lord? And are they sin? What does the Bible have to say about all that? I mean, do you live your life according to Scripture? What is your final authority today? Is it you? If it's you, then you're messed up. You're already headed in the wrong direction. Say, preacher, do you do everything this book says to do? I'm sure I mess it up, but I'm striving to work toward this thing. I'm trying my best to. By the way, you won't know it if you don't read it. Lamentations chapter 3 said, Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. See, he said, when we search and try our ways, we're going to find out that there's some things that need to be fixed and come back to the Lord. By the way, you can't hide your sin. Numbers chapter, what is it, 32 and 23? Uh, Be sure your sin will find you out. Brother Jeff talked about this in Sunday school this morning. Be not deceived, God is not mocked for what so man soweth. That shall he also reap. Going to come out. Going to come out on you. We must deal with our sin. And you know if we'll deal with our sin, then God won't have to deal with it. But what happened right here in the church is uh, is obviously not only were they uh, giving him a free pass because in verse 2 it said Paul told them you're puffed up. They were glorying in this thing according to verse 6. And by the way, it seems though as Paul changes gears in verses 6 through 8, but he does not. 
He's still dealing with that sin. And what he's saying right here, uh, he said, look, uh, uh, he said, you're puffed up and you've not mourned about this thing or to break your heart. You know, when, when your neighbor and your friend and your church member here uh, and folk that you fellowship with and you love gets in sin and it's destroying their home and it's destroying them and it's hurting the church, you were to mourn over that. I mean, it ought to bother us. I mean, to see, he said, not only that, but to see the destruction that's coming in their own life. Because if we believe this book uh, and they're truly saved, then we know what's about to happen eventually. He said, well, God is graceful and merciful. He is. Ain't He a good God today? Ain't He been merciful to you? But if you don't think that God will begin to get your attention, you're crazy. He'll get it, won't he, Brother Steve? He has a way of getting our attention. Hebrews 12 calls it the chastening hand of God. He knows how to get our attention and deal with it. But here the church was not wanting to deal with what they knew to be the truth. They were puffed. And I don't understand that. I'm still bumfuzzled. I'm still... I don't understand the church at Corinth why they were glorying in this sin. He said in verse 6, your glorying is not good. So they were puffed up, had not mourned, they had not dealt with it. And as a matter of fact, Paul said that, that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Verse 13, he said, therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. They got to go. That's kind of rough, preacher. Not if, not if they refuse to repent. And, and, and that's, that's where this thing gets tough. And it gets hard sometimes because we look at folk that are our friends and we've worshipped with them and chances are we've been to their house or they've been to ours or we've had time of fellowship with them and now we've seen their life come to a destruction. But what's the problem? Why must they, why must they be removed? Why can they not stay in their sin and still come to church? Listen, if they want to repent, that's great. Let them repent, man. I'll deal with that here in a minute. But when people are so stubborn that they will not repent, and I'm just like that couple that sat right there with my preacher friend, and they turned their head and they wouldn't get right, and he tried to fix it. You know, some people just get stubborn, don't they? Well, bless God, you ain't going to tell me what to do. Well, it ain't me telling you. See, you remember what I told you at the very beginning of the service? I didn't write this. And, that, and that's, the way, that's the way people look at this thing. They, they look at it as, as though you're telling them, as, as though uh, the preacher's telling them. No, God's telling you this morning. And church, I'm telling you that there comes a time, uh, if that ever happens, he said right here that they might be taken away from among you. Why? Why must we do that? Why must we deal with sin in the church? Why do we have to do that? Why must there be a separation? Notice what he said right here. Paul said, I've judged that thing already. Do you know what I mean you don't judge anything? What do you mean we don't judge anything? Well, the Scripture's already judged it. You remember what I told you where Scripture's quiet at? I tend to be quiet about it. And where Scripture ain't quiet, we don't need to be quiet. And so Paul's already laid this thing out uh, right here. But notice he said, when you gather together in the power of the Lord Jesus and in my spirit, he said, you deliver him over uh, uh, unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, uh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. 
But then he tells us this right here. He said, your glory is not good. Why? Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You let a little in and it affects the whole thing. That's the problem. Or that's one of the problems. That's one of the problems. What, what if I let somebody that was living in sin that wasn't married... I mean, if, you want to, if folk want to come to church, I'm not going to run them off. We're just not going to let them join. I'm going to preach to them and tell them that they, they, they need to get married. Amen. Amen. I had a preacher friend of mine the other day. He said, he said there's a gentleman that worked uh, with a feller on the job. That old boy had, had a stroke and he was uh, living with a girl. And, and, and they'd, they'd come to church. He finally got him to come to church. And he said, now listen to me. This don't happen all the time in our church, Okay. But he said, he, he said, that old boy, he said, I told him if, if he ever wanted to meet with me, I, I just come by the church, just we'll, we'll meet and we'll talk. And, and he said, both of, them, both of them come to the church on Tuesday and want to meet and talk with me. And, and he said, you know, before that old boy left my study off and started the church, he said, he got saved in my study. I said, well, praise the Lord. And he said, you know, come Sunday, she come in and had a ring on her finger. Salvation changes some things, don't it? Amen. I thought that's pretty good. I thought that's good. I, I remember. I remember one time this fellow come in here and uh, he had a girl with him and uh, they they were living together, shacking up together. And I remember she come and got saved that Sunday morning. I remember that very well because uh, you never forget some of this stuff. And, and I, I was thinking. I was thinking. And I told my wife on the way home. I guess we're going to find out if this thing was real or not. If what she got was real. Because they're not going to continue living together and checking up together uh, if, if what she got was real. It can't go down that road. We come back to church that night and he was here, but she wasn't. I said, where'd she go? She packed her bags up and went back home to Chattanooga. Couldn't live like that no more. She went back home to mom and daddy's house. I'd say what she got was real, wouldn't you? Made change in her. You know, if you've got salvation, it makes a change in you. Therefore, if a man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the help this morning. But there must be a separation. We have to deal with sin. Uh, uh, we have to see it for what it is. Call it for what it is. Uh, uh, and then we have to deal with it. But there must be a separation on our part. He said, purge out, therefore, the old leaven. He said, therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. If sin is allowed to continue in your life, in your home, or in this church, then that's what it's going to cause is malice and wickedness. That's what sin does. But he said... We're to keep, do you understand? Do you understand if we if we let see, you say I like those people? I get that. I understand that. Some people are just they've got such a great charismatic attitude toward life, and, and they're just fun to be around. You ever, you ever been around folk like that? I mean, they're just fun to be around. They got a great attitude in life. If 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 I could say that, but but yet their sin has uh, overtook them. And and if you allow that thing to go on. Then, then one, what example is that setting? Y'all understand what I'm asking? If you let things go on in, in, in your home, what, what example is that setting to your children? Uh, if, 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 
Mitchell has to be very careful in his business of, of what he allows one person to do then everybody else can do it. You've got to be careful with that. It, it, it's no different than here. Uh, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It's, uh, listen, it, it's, it's all about the testimony uh, and our service into Christ. Uh, and by the way, you should be concerned uh, about your life in Christ. Amen. And we should be concerned uh, about the testimony of this church. Amen. Now let me say this. I can't help what everybody thinks and says. I can't. And I know there's some people who don't like me. I know that. I, I'm, I'm not crazy. I used to think everybody ought to like me. And I wish they would, but I know that ain't going to happen. But we're to serve Him in sincerity and in truth. So as Paul, as he, he gives uh, the direction in, in what to do, he said, look... Uh, he said, the fornicators of this world and the covetousness and the extortioners and the idolaters, they're, they're one thing. He deals with that. But he said, but I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. He's talking about somebody that's saved. He said, do what? Not to keep company. You remember what I told you company meant? It, it means uh, persons that you associate with Others for conversation or pleasure. There are some people that are saved because they don't want to repent of their sin. Uh, you, you just can't. You can't associate with them. Well, preacher, ain't that you can't associate? I've, I've got some friends. I've got some older friends, and they they were. Uh, and he's not a preacher, but a preacher comes into play here. And, and they would all get together uh, maybe on Friday night or Saturday night and they'd get together with older, other, other older couples uh, and, and they'd sit around and play Rook. If you want to play Rook, help yourself. Just don't be gambling on it. Amen? I go over, I go over to the nursing home and they play two games over there sometimes. Bingo and Poker Kino. And Poker Kino is something similar to Bingo. You match up stuff. But anyway, I tell them I go over and I play. And by the way, we're not gam- they're not gambling. I ain't either. But I go over and play with them and, uh, sometimes and I say, man, you've got the preacher in trouble now playing poker kino. But he said, we'd, we'd go, uh, the, the, this couple told me, said, we, we'd go play rook with them. Uh, uh, this couple would have us to their house and uh, a preacher would come over with his wife and they'd just have a good time of fellowship. Well, come to find out that this couple that they were going to their house, they weren't married. But they were living together. And so this couple that was telling me this story said, we quit going when we found that out. That's a good thing to do. Amen. Amen. That's the right thing to do. But said the preacher and his wife didn't want to quit going. They liked playing rook that much. There's something wrong there. He said, well, how are you supposed to restore them if you separate yourself from them? I'm going to deal with that. He said, we've got to be separated from them. He said, not to company with them. I had, I, I had, a, I had a preacher friend of mine, some of y'all know this story. I had a preacher friend of mine come to see me one time. I don't even remember why he's coming to the house. But, but him and his wife had, had, had went through a hard divorce and 
Uh, I, I think they were probably, I better be careful. Anyway, they went through a divorce and, and he, he was living with a girl. Now, he, one, he knowed better. Amen. He knowed better. And, and, and I remember he pulled, I don't remember why he was coming to the house. I hadn't seen him much. And, uh, he, he come up to the house and, and, and as soon as he pulled up to the top of my driveway to park, his serpentine belt broke on his truck. And, and I mean, I heard it fly apart. And, and we looked, and yeah, the serpentine belt was broke. He said, hey, his mom and daddy lived about five or six miles from me. He said, can you take me to mom and daddy's house? I said, sure, get in the truck, we'll go. And, and so, I, I mean, man, God had been bothering me about that thing anyway. And I had him trapped in the truck, and he couldn't get away from me. And I was, I, and, and I was praying, Lord, I was praying. I was going through the back roads, and, and finally about halfway there, I, I, I just confronted him about his sin. And confronted him about our friendship. Because now listen, me and this old boy had been friends for years. For years we'd been friends. And, 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 and we talked about, a, but you know that old boy never did get mad. He never did get mad. Because you know why I didn't talk to him? I didn't talk to him uh, mean. I, 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 I'd talk to him plain, but I didn't talk to him mean. And I didn't call him low down and sorry either. Uh, but listen, I just told him what God had to say about what he was doing. And so that brings me to number three. I want you to take your Bible and go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says, church, you need to deal with that thing. Here's how you deal with it. If they're not going to get right and they're still going to come to church, then you're going to have to withdraw fellowship from them. But go to 2 Corinthians 2. Still dealing with the same church. And to be honest with you, I think he's still dealing with the same man. Now, I can't prove that exactly, but I do know this. In this chapter right here, Paul is dealing with somebody that needs forgiveness and is desiring forgiveness. Look with me what he says right here in verse 4. Pick up with me in verse 4. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears. Not that you should be grieved, and uh, that you should, but that you should know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me. But in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is, is this punishment... Which was inflicted of many. So that contrarywise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Unless Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, I believe this was the same feller. And I really believe that. But whoever it was desired forgiveness. And I think the church right here at Corinth, boy, they had went from one extreme to the other, and now they're on the other extreme. Paul's telling them, you're going to have to forgive them. So there comes a time of restoration. Well, what happens? Let me just park right. What happens if somebody does not want to repent or be restored? 
then if, if you look in the book of 2 Thessalonians, Paul said this, And if any man obey not the word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. That word admonish means to warn or notify of a fault. That's what I tried to do with that fellow I got in my truck that day. It means to counsel against wrong practices or to instruct or direct. If people want to be restored, if you talk to them and you tell... See, there's one thing to talk to somebody. But there's another thing to go over to their house and sit down and play cards with them. There's another to go eat supper with them. But if you told them, there's there's even another for you to go knock on their door and say, I want to talk to you for just a minute. Come to see how you're doing. How's your life in Christ? So preacher, people don't think that way. But we should. See, that's that's where we've messed up at. See, we... we don't deal with sin or, or when, when, when people, uh, when we have to deal with that sin and we let them go or they go. And by the way, let me, let me park right here for a second. If people get in sin and they quit church, there's nobody left to church at that point. What good is it going to be to try to church somebody that's done quit church? Paul's dealing with people that are still in church that are still wanting to come and act like everything's okay. But by the way, if somebody quits church, we ought to be ready to try to go and restore them. Talk to them. Might want to warn them. Might want to warn them about what's coming. They, they, they don't want to hear it, preacher. Don't matter whether they want to hear it. You're raising your kids, ain't you? Your kids don't want to hear it either, but yet you're willing to tell them. Why? Because you love them and you want them to be right. You know why we encourage folk to get right? From my own life, from my own life, from my own personal experience, we have a tendency to let people drop off the radar and never deal with them again. Some people need help getting restored. Well, they know what to do. Help them. Can I tell you, some people, some people need help. Why well, I'm talking about getting restored. Some people need help to get restored because they got hurt. It's not that they sin. And some people, they get in sin and they know what's coming and the preacher preaches against it and all those things and they'll just quit church. They'll, they'll quit serving God. And, and by the way, if, if, if folk can quit serving God and stay quit serving God and God does not bother them, I'm going to be concerned about their salvation. Well now, preacher, God... No, I know what the book says. Let me put it to you another way. Either this book is true or it's not. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. That's why he said in the book. Ain't that right? So if, if people can go on in their sin and never give consideration to God and serving Him, I'm beginning to wonder what's wrong. I can't do wrong and get by. Can you do wrong and get by? I'm fixing the clothes. Are you still with me right here? Well, some of you are. You need to encourage folk to get right. I, I thought about this while I studied this. And here's the problem we run into in restoration. It is not up to us to make people pay. 
It's not up to us to make people pay. We, and in my own mind, and in my own head, you know, that well, they've done this and this and this, but boy, they're wanting to get right, and they, they've, not been, they've not been chasing enough. It ain't up to you to decide that, and it's not up to me. Take your Bible and go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Look in verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Peter says, Lord, if he sins, do, do I just forgive him seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. It's an astronomical amount. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. That is an insurmountable amount and an unpayable amount for a servant. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The, the master was not asking for nothing unreasonable. It was owed, so it should have been paid. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, ain't that what Christ Jesus done for me and you? Amen. Amen. We owed a debt we could not pay, and Jesus Christ in His mercy and in His grace forgave us of our sin. Why? Because we asked Him to. That's how you got saved. You owed a debt you could not pay. And because you seen that, Christ Jesus had compassion on you, came to where you was. And you asked Him to save you. And your way done, He done it. So the Lord here had compassion. But the same servant, what servant? The one that had had his debt forgiven. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. It's about a year's wage, give or take. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Now park right here for just a second. If somebody comes to you and wants to repent and wants to be and ask for forgiveness, I've done you wrong, I've done the church wrong, I've done God wrong, I've told God that I was sorry. Now I'm asking you, and notice right here what he said. Uh, that servant said, I forget. Hey, did you not ask Christ to forgive you and save you? He said, Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Verse 33. Or verse 32, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? 
And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Some people do not want to get right. You can't make them get right and God will deal with that. Right? God will deal with that. But if through prayer, if through admonishing, if through correction and just talking to them and saying, look, you need to get right with God. Let me show you something. You go to Acts chapter 15, you'll find that, that Paul and Barnabas was going to go back out on a mission trip. Barnabas wanted to take his nephew John Mark. Paul did not want to take John Mark because of what John Mark had done while they were on another mission trip. He bailed out on them and went back early. Did not finish that best that I could understand Scripture in Acts chapter 15. But you know by the time, and by the way, that contention got so sharp between Paul and Barnabas, the Bible said over there, that Barnabas took John Mark and went his way and Paul and Silas went their way. But when you come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul's coming down to the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4. And he said this, Only Luke was with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Something changed. You think, you think, you think Paul changed his mind on some things? I don't think he changed his mind about sin. But, but I also think that, that John Mark probably had matured up a little bit and grown up a little bit and changed some things. Something had changed for the Apostle Paul to want John Mark to come. Preacher, what if they do not want restoration and they do not want to get right? One, they may not be saved. Two, you can't make them get right. And three, you keep praying for them. And that's all I know to tell you. But I do know that if there's open, unconfessed sin in this church, then we got to deal with it. Or God won't bless it. Let's bow our heads this morning.